Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quay. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. This even, not the question you want to ask the day before Working. election day. Does this even work? Uh, unknown at this time. Are you are you implying that your headphone jack is rigged? No, no, no. I was checking the uh, the uh, uh, CPU attached to this monitor oh. over here, and it's just a blank screensaver thing. Well, a screensaver implies that something's plugged in. Uh, I guess so. The mouse working? No. Keyboard. Uh, unknown. When I hit enter, the it lit up, and it just gave me er- an error message. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean it's rigged, I tell you. <laughs> we don't get time to, to troubleshoot some of these things before we get in here. Things very busy uh, during the turnaround this very short time. Speaking of turnarounds, a lot of candidates are trying to turn around some last-minute uh, sentiment and are doing some... Uh, uh, in-person campaigning, doing some robo-calling, doing some some stop-and-goes, some touch-and-goes at airports mm-hmm. around the area. Mm-hmm. We'll get to all that in uh, okay. just a moment here, but I, I think it's too late. What do you mean it's too late? It's too, uh, what's think, too late? I think, it, I think it's too late. I really, I woke up this morning, I, I had this kind of lingering sense yesterday as I was working in the yard and around the house and stuff like that, and I woke up this morning and I thought, with all of the discussions that we've had on the show, all of the guests, all of the news that we've talked about, all of the all of the sort of outlining and grokking and, and sort of breaking down, is it too late for just kind of a heart-to-heart talk with America? Because we're at a crossroads coming up tomorrow. And it's not about electing the first woman president in the in the country's history. It's not about electing uh, someone who has not spent their adult life as a political insider. It's about whether or not you think this country's headed down the right track right now. Polls will tell you that uh, an overwhelming majority of people think that it is not. So I wonder... And, and maybe this is just me looking at it. If you don't think you're heading the right way, why would there be ample support for someone who's been driving the vehicle the way that it's going for so long? Or at least maybe a vehicle isn't isn't the right word because we think about a vehicle because we're so uh, vehicle dependent, especially in the Midwest, is sort of one person, one vehicle. Uh, think about it more, if you will. I think everyone by now has at some point at least had an interaction that will lead them to understand this. You've got, you've got the crew of a starship, you know, a, a Star Trek-style starship. It takes more than one person to run it. There's one captain, but you need this whole sort of executive team of officers to make it work. Mm-hmm. Why is there such wide support for someone who has been part of that leadership crew to take the country in a direction 
to where an overwhelming number of people say they're not happy with where we're at. Well, you're 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 left with uh, thinking that that one person from that team maybe has a slightly adjacent direction or or skew to to lead us. So you're left with. And and I and I'm trying to 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 put myself in, inside of the the brain of a, of of a supporter of I'm with her. Um, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Well, I'm just I'm just trying to to <laughs> to, to put myself there. Um, so you think, okay, well, she was just one piece of that decision making team. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she's got an adjacent thing. So if we're if we're not really going the direction we want, but we still kind of agree with the idea. Maybe she can course correct, and I think that's what she's she's banking on. Or you're of the mind that it's not her herself; it's a systemic problem. That leads me back to square A. If it's a systemic problem, change change the people who are operating the system. Well, can you can and you? We've seen that happen with system- wave elections in the past at the House and everything like that. Can you systematically? Change. I mean, because uh, a lot of people will tell you that if she's elected, systematically things will change. I I guess I don't see that being much of a course-altering decision. It may not be. You, know, you change your vector by one degree, and you may, you've made change. And you may be, you, you may be able to make the case that, you know, uh, where I'm trying to come from on this, that she'll adjacently course-correct or be an, an agent of systemic change, uh, you might be deluding yourself. Well, it is the change that she would be advocating for. Is that, in fact, the way that the country wants to go? Or is that good for the country? Or are we just, or are we just you know, oh, change? Plus, you have the whole idea, and, and I'm going to take this back to intern Addie, uh, because we put her through this o- over the summer, the whole mm-hmm. idea that people aren't aren't necessarily voting for a direction or person, like you said, but they're voting against a person or direction. Mm-hmm. So I am willing to accept the fact that a majority of those who will cast a ballot for Hillary Clinton are doing it as so as to not have President Trump. I'm willing to accept that foundational stone, but if if you're if you're saying we need change, and your change agent is someone who has been part and parcel of a liberal administration for eight years, and part and parcel of a less liberal but still democratic administration of her husband's for eight years, and has been a a, a liberal mover and shaker in the world, how do I, I guess? I'm fundamental, and th- I shouldn't have these questions now. This goes back to why we didn't talk about more issues during this campaign season. Why we didn't, uh, why, why, and she wanted these things left out there. She intentionally avoided these questions by never submitting to a press conference for the entirety of campaign she season. Would, she would tell you that she did submit herself to a, a press, but it, it, certainly not in the traditional sense, and I'll take that back to systemic change. There you go. So I, I guess I'm, I'm left feeling uneasy for the state of the nation on Election Eve. Fear of the unknown. Not even fear of the unknown, but because the country will weather either candidate being elected. 
My fear is more that the electorate has lost the sense of where the country should be going. That we've crossed over and and too many people now vote based on, um, I'll make sure you get this. Too many people are having, too many people have lost the sense of, of statesmanship. Too many people have lost the sense of direction for this country. And they're voting on the minute by minute promises rather than the overarching long view of where the country has been in history, what caused this country to be formed, what made it great, what still makes it great, and, and, and how we need to organize that going forward. You're talking about the big picture. Yeah. Not yeah. the... We've got people voting on the the what what they see through the microscope, not what they see from the 30,000-foot view. Or the, the microscope, or specifically... What have you done for me? Or what are you promising to do for me? If you want and to, is that better than what the previous person promised exactly. to do for me or or failed to deliver for me? The other candidate is promising. Right. Essentially, what you have is, is vote selling. And when we've when we have sort of devolved into, well, you're gonna do this, you know. The opportunity we've gotten away from the opportunity of freedom to achieve and this move towards a more liberal socialism with overly generous um, social safety nets in this country and other things like that, they're bringing in the mindset that I'm not responsible for me, you're responsible for me. And the you in this case is government. So we've thrown away... I think the, we've thrown away the sense of individualism and individual responsibility. Individualism and personal responsibility, and th- th- these are some would say founding. They are. There are, and some would say there's never been a better time to be an individual with all of the the. But they they point to frivolous things, consumption choices, entertainment choices. We've got fifty thousand TV channels a gajillion radio stations, and you can stream anything you want online. Mm-hmm. But those, those, are, those, those are, 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 are fool's gold when it comes, if, you're, if that's your only choice, if you don't have the choice to impact your life in the way it goes, and you are beholden to government for everything, then you really have no choice to change the things that are important in your life. And you've given up your ability to be an agent of change for yourself. Well, and everything else is just deciding between pickles and onions. And when you get to a point where you realize that that choice is gone, it's it was gone a long time ago. You may not have a chance to get it back. Right. So, I get, I don't I don't think I'm feeling pessimistic today. I'm feeling I'd say uneasy, like I trepidation? said before. Trepidation. Trepidation. Good word. 50 cent word. <laughs> yeah, I know you like those. What about you? What am, am I alone out here on the iceberg? Um, I, I had a conversation with a, uh, a family member uh, last night, and uh, he asked me who I thought was was going to win. And this is a popular family, question. It's a family member that I don't usually have political conversations with. Okay, um, I'm just going to guess by the, the way you couch that uh, this family member is not of voting age yet. Um, he is of voting age. But I'm. I don't. I don't know if he's voted. <laughs> <I think. laughs> 
This makes me think about what I just said <laughs> a few minutes ago. Um, and I said I will. I said I won't be surprised if Hillary wins. I said, but I won't be surprised if Trump wins. And I don't know that that I've been in that position before. Four years ago, I, I was of the mind that Mitt Romney was. I was. I was almost dead sure that Mitt Romney was was going to win. Really? Because I I wasn't. really had the sense that 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 Mitt had made the kick. Could he have done it better? Sure. Did I want him to do it better? Sure. But uh, you, you you have that big picture look. Mm-hmm. And even four years ago, people were saying that the country was headed in the wrong direction. But the night of you know of voting day, turns out we weren't going to change direction. And I really thought Mitt had. While I wished he'd done more, I thought, given everything that we'd been through and given everything that we knew, that Mitt would get through it. And it turns out I was wrong. And and I was wrong by a lot. So I, it's it's that that has kind of got me more like, hmm, I won't be surprised. And based on polling, some polls say that she's ahead. Some polls say that. Trump's ahead. Yeah, I was looking at the polling numbers, and they all seem to run Clinton within margin of error, except for a couple. Um, there's a CBS News and a, an NBC News that have her outside of that, except for the one poll that we have talked about because of its different approach to it, which is the LA, LA Times, Times USC tracking yeah. poll, where they follow the same group of people throughout the process and see where they're at. And Trump's outside the margin of error in that poll at yeah. plus five. So the, the, there's two reasons that that poll gets pointed to. One, they follow the same group of people. And two, by following the same group of people, you can't oversample a certain political demographic. And that has been the knock against mm. a lot of these polls that have shown Clinton up by wide margins is that they are admittedly taking almost 40% registered Democrats, uh, 30 plus percent those who identify as independent, and less than 30% of those who are registered as as Republicans, and then formulating that poll in that if you're going to say, okay, there are more registered Democrats than Republicans in the country, that is objectively true, but you're not reflecting those percentages with the percentages you're using for the poll. That's been one of the critiques yeah. that has has led to this conversation of, has the media picked a side, and, and on and on from there. So we'll see how this uh, this turns out. We'll talk with Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, about all this uh, in uh, just about 15 minutes or so. And plenty of candidates making touch and goes around the area today. You want to get out, I'll detail all those coming up next. But speaking of trepidation, hmm? rarely does the WTAD newsroom in the form of Scott Hardy come in during the show. And we hadn't talked about this, so you're you're waving something. And I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, what, what's going on? What's going on? Just got this from the city of Quincy. Turns out that uh, Mayor Moore has announced that uh, Director of Administrative Services, Glenda Hackamack, has resigned effective December 16th. She's accepted an executive-level position with a local company, according to a statement. So, okay, so there's going to be change coming at transition, City Hall. Transition, yeah. That is, that is correct, yes. And that'll be... Now, most of the city heads were going to be up for change anyway with this being an election year coming up mm-hmm. their positions were going to be through the end of may mm-hmm. but uh glenda apparently is uh, getting out a little early so uh in the statement uh more adds he thinks the transition will go smooth since she she's given ample notification to mm-hmm. look for a new position 
and so they're look they're expecting a seamless transmission as well, uh, transition as well and they've already started the search for a new I was going to say bag. let let the speculation begin mm-hmm. all right that'll be interesting thank you scott i know so, yes. you'll be working on that probably more at noon coming up all right put we, on your investigative fedora well we'll have more of that and uh, we'll we'll ask that but do i have to have this little ticket on the side there in yeah, the that, band that's part of the uniform okay all right no no i think for the modern era it should be like a thumb drive just you tuck it right the, there in the band. That's right. You just tuck it in the band. <laughs> With right a little there. thing on the side that says, trust me. I think <laughs> I think that'll work out just fine. All right. His street reporter wingtips are about to be taken out of the closet and pressed back nice. into service. Thank you uh, for the update from the WTAD newsroom this morning. All right, coming up, Jim Hoft drops by, and we talk about those uh, latest candidate stops here on the eve of Election Day on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. First of all, I will complain. Secondly, <laughs> and then I why saw didn't you, you just want me there in the first place? I just well, uh, he didn't see you. He saw me, and then you ended up. You were there. God, guys talking about me like he's already an ex. <laughs> <sighs> it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio nine thirty WTAD. Sean Seacrest Squade with you. Just about to be joined by Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit. If you are a Trump supporter or a Trump hopeful. He's probably going to be the biggest ray of sunshine you get in the next 36 hours. So, Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, coming up. Uh, plenty of candidates doing touch and goes around the area today. Roy Blunt uh, locked in that tight race in Missouri. Mm. Uh, he is going to be at uh, Hannibal Regional Airport in just about uh, 20 minutes. Roy Blunt's going to be at Hannibal Regional Airport in 1045 as he continues to uh, travel around the state and in fact, rally. I want to say there's a contingency of... Republican candidates who are who are making this trip with with everybody. It wouldn't surprise me that they pooled their money together and mm-hmm. got on the plane together. Because it's, uh, I think they're starting in Columbia and then they're mm-hmm. coming to Hannibal and then uh, I think it's uh, Kirksville. They, they're literally going. They're going around, north of Highway Thirty Six. They're going around the state. Wow, that is. Wait, we're in desperate times. Um, if you're taking the plane north. Of 36. So I think uh, it isn't just, it's it's Eric Greitens. We, we talked about that previously, uh, like mm-hmm. Eric Schmidt. Uh, I think, uh, I'm not sure if, um, I'm not sure if every last one of them is going to be on the, on the plane, but I don't know if Sam, I don't know if uh, Sam Graves is going to be with them or not, but he could, I guess he could fly the plane when you get right down to it. Is the light broken outside the door? This is twice already today. Uh, Secretary of State Jason Kander is going to be at Jamba Jive this afternoon at 1 o'clock. He's, of course, uh, locked in that in that uh, uh, tough battle with Blunt. So, interesting, both of them are going to be uh, in Hannibal today. Uh, Donald J. Trump Jr. going to be uh, rallying for uh, his dad in Burlington. They uh, That's already underway this morning. Uh, they're at the Majestic Estates at uh, 620 Washington. And then uh, you actually had some interaction with this. 
Uh, President Obama's been making robocalls. He's been doing robocalls on behalf for of uh, Chris Coster, Chris Coster in Missouri, making promises on behalf of Chris Coster. That's always dangerous, isn't it? When you have one well, political figure that has a a a sort of mixed bag of the way that the country feels about him uh, in the in the, the the last dying light of his regime. Making well, calls to make promises on behalf of someone else. Well, I I understand using the 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 power of the presidency to get to get behind. Sure, it's a bully I, puppet. I, I, I totally get that. Uh, however, you got to understand, uh, Chris Coster has kind of cobbled together a, a how do I say this a, a non traditional group of backers. Uh, he's he's kind of got people who traditionally have gotten behind Republican candidates to get behind him this time. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it's not a right-down-the-aisle type of a situation. And then the, But the president's arguments on behalf of Chris Castro on the robocalls are right-down-the-aisle. Right, and we were hoping to, uh, to bring this to you, but there were some, some technical things. Uh, one thing that, that the president is promising on behalf of Chris Castro, which is enormously unpopular in Missouri— is he is saying that Coster will protect the Affordable Care Act? And if you remember, which Missouri is underwater in the Show Me State, right out of the. I mean, it was the first state to say, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> yes. we want to have a a show vote to let you know, uh, uh-uh. uh, the the Missouri people do not. A most people didn't want it, but but Missouri was like, "Let us show you, right? We don't want it," and they did in overwhelming numbers. Right. So uh, obviously, Chris Coster knows this. President, maybe, I don't know, maybe the president doesn't know it, but he's promising that Chris Coster will defend and protect the Affordable Care Act. And I believe he said expand Medicaid as well, which yes. is kind of odd. Yes, he did say expand Medicaid. So, it, it, you know, if you're on that Republican side, but you're like, well, but Chris Coster, understand, president making promises. Boy, this is almost... On behalf of Chris Coster, that... It, I don't want to seem flippant about this, but you're right. Missouri was the the leader. Of the, I mean, I think it was called Proposition the first. Uh uh-uh, uh, and it got like seventy five percent of the vote. Yeah, on on affordable care, it was I think seventy plus. And Obama, the Obama administration knows this. You're trying to say you support a guy by tying him to the Affordable Care Act in Missouri. It's almost like they've decided they don't like him, mm. and they're trying to tie him to this. Uh, it, I mean, just either that or. They have different numbers than, than are touted in Missouri by Missourians. I don't see how or where you would have gotten numbers that indicate that Missouri is anything other than yeah. what it is. All right. So we'll see if this works out for for Chris Coster uh, in the last moment as the president uh, has so this So if you get a robocall from yeah. the president yeah. uh, saying some things about Chris Coster, you're like, huh? Yes, this is the this is happening. It's not and not, let's let's face it. You you mentioned it. It's the power of the Oval Office at that point. And I have always said before whether I agreed with the president's policy and p- politics or or didn't even vote for them. If they called me, I would answer and talk to them. And remember, the the Democrats have decided that Missouri is a state where they can make a difference. Mm-hmm. So the Coster down ballot race. Right. On, on the Coster uh Greitens, May, uh, gubernatorial election, they think that, that, that well, A, I think they've always thought that Coster could, could handle this, but all of a sudden now Greitens has certainly made this super close. Mm-hmm. So it's important enough for them to put the president into play 
even if it's just a robocall. Secondarily, you, you've got uh, you know the senatorial race also coming right down to it. Yeah. So, I- interesting. I don't know. Has the president made robocalls for Jason Cander yet? I, I, Making promises yeah, for Jason Cander? Don't think so. We'll see if Jim Hoff has gotten a robocall from the president. He joins us next to break down this final moments of the uh, general election for president. Both candidates have been very busy, and he's been following them everywhere at thegatewaypundit.com. We'll talk with him next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, Quaid alongside you. It gets asked seemingly every year, so we'll answer that question uh, before we wrap up the show today on the morning meeting. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us on the morning meeting. Jim, have you been robocalled by the president on uh, behalf of his chosen candidate in Missouri, Chris Coster? Uh, not yet. Nope. Nope. Are you are you open? fine with me? <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to say you're probably not losing any sleep over it. Um, my my, the final thought that we wrapped up the previous segment with was, in, and I'm not trying to to be intentionally flippant here, but does Obama and the the, the people who made this deal to have Bommel re- record a message on behalf of Coster that says, "quote He will protect the Affordable Care Act." Do they know how underwater that idea is in Missouri? It seems like they're they're tying an albatross to him rather than an increased chance for victory. Uh, you know, it almost sounds like something an opposition group would do. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know who's behind the calls, but uh, uh, it, it doesn't make much sense, does it? Especially in a state like Missouri. Yeah, I could see it making sense in other states, especially like a Colorado. Uh, where they're voting uh, for essentially a state-sized version of single-payer on this ballot, but it just didn't make any sense uh, for me in Missouri right now. Jim, you have been detailing the uh, final travels of not only candidate Trump, but uh, candidate Clinton as well, and uh, it's been interesting over these last 48 hours as both make pushes. I think nothing's more interesting to me than Trump deciding to take some very valuable time ahead of tomorrow's election and head to some traditionally blue states to try and pick up some independent votes where he thinks those states might be able to be sniped at the last minute. Right. Uh, if you'll notice, uh, and you probably saw this already, but Trump uh, did five events yesterday um, in five different states, and he did another. He's going to do another five events today. He's uh, speaking right now in Sarasota, Florida. I have a reporter there, my buddy Kristen Taylor's covering the event, and Kristen tells me that they shut the doors because it was a capacity crowd and that thousands of people are still standing outside listening to Trump speak. So uh, we, uh, you know, the media is not going to report this, Sean and Quaid. You know that. I know that. Um, we have such a dishonest, corrupt media today. But um, uh, this this uh, momentum behind Trump, this these uh, rallies that he's been having uh, for months now, he's just, you know, breaking all kinds of records for the Republican Party. 
Um, we haven't seen anything like this uh, in years. And uh, so today he's going to wrap it up, like I said, in, in uh, five more events today, all in blue states. Yesterday they were all in traditionally blue states. So uh, Trump even stopped in Minnesota yesterday. That's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, if Minnesota is in play, Democrats are in big trouble. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Yeah, Jim, we were t- we were talking about some polling earlier, and I know that you've got a story about the uh, L.A. Times-USC tracking poll that has Trump up plus five, and a lot of the other polls have Clinton up, uh, most of them within the margin of error, but it's one of those, uh, pay, do you pay attention to what they say or do you pay attention to what they're doing? And trying to defend blue states implies that uh, things are maybe not what we're seeing on, on print uh, they're not in Texas, they're not in Oklahoma, they're not in uh, traditional red states, they're not in Wyoming trying to sway anybody. They're in these places that have gone blue for the last several elections. I think it's quite telling, isn't it? Uh, it really is. And um, again, uh, Hillary, uh, you know, if she just does as well as Obama, of course, she's going to have a great election. But um Today, the Fox News poll had her at 48%. That's a, a real outlier. Hillary just hasn't scored that high in, in hardly any of the polls. She reaches about 45% and peaks out there. There's just still a lot of Americans that don't like this woman, and certainly I don't blame them. I think she's a criminal. Um, if You know, you guys have covered this as, as, long, as well as I have, and uh, it's just amazing that somebody who is just uh, so uh, uh, obviously – a lawbreaker is is a, a major party candidate today, and that she's uh, you know the media loves her; they're propping her up, but um, but she's still uh, you know ahead in a lot of these polls. It's it's pretty crazy. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning here on the morning meeting. Jim, is there any one voice you think that makes a difference at this point? I mean, the, the candidates are out spreading their message, doing doing what they need to do. Your brother Joe Hoff, if he chose the art for his 30 reasons in 30 days why to vote for Donald Trump, uh, was fantastically creative today with Trump riding a unicorn and shooting rainbows from both of his hands. So, I mean, if that happens, I think a lot more people would vote for him, which is very interesting. <laughs> but uh, have we have we all really made up our minds by now, how many how many truly independent or or uh, unresolved voters do you think are left now, twenty four hours before election day? You know, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? When you hear these people on television say, "I haven't decided yet," you know, it makes you think: uh, are they are they just lying to these television reporters? So, um, uh, you know, it's 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 hard to say that people would would still be undecided. I, I did hear something this morning that gave me more hope, and that is that uh, Trump, uh, throughout the uh, primary, he generally did two to three points better than all the polls said, um, because there's a lot of people who uh, don't want to tell pollsters, you know, who they're voting for. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, who don't want to be attacked publicly uh, if they come out on camera or if they uh, speak to a pollster. They don't know who these pollsters are. So I think that's really good news for Donald Trump. And again, I put up some pictures yesterday from some of the rallies he, he was having. The one in uh, Michigan, the, it, it seriously, you look at this picture, it's just endless. This, this crowd is just enormous. And uh, so this is a type of enthusiasm for Donald Trump today. It should make all of us hopeful. One of the things I think we can't quantify are the number of people who traditionally don't even bother with getting involved 
in paying attention to politics and taking the time to go out and vote. Uh, I think that there is uh, something that has occurred with with Trump being involved where those people have been invigorated to to participate where in the past they didn't feel like it was worth their time. And I don't know that we can quantify for those people until tomorrow. Is Have you put any time or effort into trying to figure out what percentage of people don't usually take the time to go and vote who are excited about going and voting, whether it was early or, or going to wait until tomorrow? You know, uh, that, that's a great question. If you guys are like me, I've had several people who have not voted um, in years uh, who told me that they're going to vote for Trump. Um, so, uh, and, and, and I was at Trump's rally here in St. Louis and when he was coming down the rope line, uh, there was a lot of people there who were saying, Donald Trump, I've never voted, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to come out and vote for you. So there's a, a lot of people who are excited for Trump. I wish I knew, you know, we, we knew what the numbers really were, but, uh, I think we'll find out tomorrow because these are people who haven't been, uh, polled by the pollsters. And uh, it's just this block of voters that's, that's sitting out there and ready to go vote for Donald Trump. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, you didn't have much love for Paul Ryan saying he was ready to campaign with Trump. Uh, yeah, how about that? Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this, this news broke this weekend. Uh, Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, who's been uh, attacking Trump at every turn, um, uh, as you recall, the last, I think, major headlines Trump or Ryan made was when uh, Trump had this fabulous performance at the second debate, completely destroyed Hillary Clinton. And the next morning, Paul Ryan came out and, and stole the headlines from Trump and said that he could not uh, endorse or campaign with Trump anymore. So, uh, you know, this, this is a guy who has been working for Hillary Clinton. Um, I'm not afraid to say it. I think it's very obvious. Uh, that he's been working for Hillary. He uh, he does not like Donald Trump. He's a big globalist. I really don't like the guy. And uh, win or lose tomorrow for Donald Trump, I think Paul Ryan should step down. Um, and I think the people who uh, vote for Paul Ryan in, in the Republican caucus will be held to account. Is he been getting a sort of pass on this because of how vitriolic and headline-grabbing the main event has been between Trump and Clinton because when we saw the outset of the Trump campaign and, and Ryan sort of distance himself slash, you know, wag a finger, that got some coverage. And he has been just at least I shouldn't say he the coverage of that dynamic has been just completely absent from the narrative until this came out this weekend. Uh, that, that's true. But, you know, as we look back, uh, even in December, after the uh, uh, San Bernardino attacks by the, the terrorist couple, the Islamist out there who shot a bunch of people dead at a Christmas party, um, Trump made a statement which say, you know, saying uh, we, we shouldn't let these Muslims in the country. Paul Ryan immediately ran out to the microphone and said, this is not who we are. He has a, there's some very stark differences between Paul Ryan and um, Donald Trump. And uh, we saw with one of the most recent polls within the last week that 60-some percent of the Republicans believe Trump is the future of the party. And there's a good 30 percent of the globalists uh, who, who still uh, think uh, Paul Ryan speaks for them. So, uh, But I think the, the, I think the party's changing significantly, and uh, I, I think they're moving away from these policies that Paul Ryan has been promoting.
Jim Hoft with us this morning on The Morning Meeting. Jim, you got a couple of stories about some incidents uh, that have occurred at either rallies where Trump is president or people are stumping uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, as he makes, I mean, he's out hustling today. Well, you listed off uh, five five different places he's going to be at uh, before the end of the day uh, today. Uh, are, is there concern uh, about security at these places? Because, I mean, they had to rush him off the stage at one one event, and you got a story about uh, an event that uh, Sarah Palin was at where well, you, you, a goon sprayed the crowd with chemicals. Well, I, I, what's going on? Well, this is typical. We know that, and you guys know it. I know it. I've been reporting this for over a year. Uh, we know that the left is very violent in America. We know that they uh, – uh, we saw, I think, the most uh, despicable attack was uh, – outside the San Jose Trump rally a few months ago where literally hundreds of Trump supporters were beaten up. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, there was video of women getting cold-cocked in the back of the head at this rally. Of course, our corrupt media will not report on this. Uh, we have such a dishonest media. We're finding out with WikiLeaks that they're all in cahoots with the uh, DNC. We saw this weekend some, some WikiLeaks documents that showed that the CNN is asking DNC for uh, the questions to ask Donald Trump. So this is what we have in America today. But these, there's violence against Republicans, against conservatives. And you wonder why people don't want to talk about it in public with reporters, you know. Um, so uh, th- this incident in Michigan, uh, Sarah Palin was there last night doing a little uh, meet-up, meet-and-greet for uh, Donald Trump in Detroit. And uh, some somebody... Uh, opened the door and sprayed some chemicals. It sounds like it was pepper spray, but what they did was they opened the door and they pepper sprayed everyone. So uh, this is, you know, this is the type of stuff you have to put up with today if you uh, support freedom and capitalism and uh, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Uh, and that's why it's so important that Donald Trump wins tomorrow. All right, Jim, then give us the official The Gateway Pundit presidential prediction for tomorrow. Who wins? You know, uh, the, the, the polls are all, are all over the place. We have Trump up 5% in the L.A. Times poll, which was one of the most accurate uh, in 2012. Uh, we have Trump down four points in this Fox poll outlier. So uh, we predicted last week, my brother looked at the trend lines. My brother, as you recall, uh, he's, a, he's a, a top accountant, a vice president of an international insurance company. He's based in Hong Kong. He looked at the numbers. The trend lines show that Trump uh, should win from four to seven points. So we uh, we uh, said that Trump's going to win by seven points. And God, I hope we are right. <laughs> I, I hope God blesses this country and gives us a Trump victory tomorrow. All right. Hopefully, uh, if that's the case, he'll use the uh, picture of him riding the unicorn, shooting the rainbows out of his hands, as at least his social media picture, you know, going forward from <laughs> from his POTUS account. Jim Hoft, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Have fun voting tomorrow. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll wrap wrap it up next with the question that gets answered seemingly every time around. Don't worry. We've got you covered next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
Just a couple of moments left this morning here on the morning meeting. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you. You had the uh, complete rundown of uh, everybody who was on the plane there. It was uh, pretty much everybody. I and mean, they should be, well, they may be getting ready to ramp it up now uh, at the Hannibal Regional Airport. By the way, they wanted you to RSVP if you were going to be going. Although mm-hmm. I think if you showed up, I don't think they would deny you a meeting. Yeah, they, they should Eric be Wright, underway. That Roy was Blunt, a, yeah, Josh 1045 Hawley, touchdown. Eric Schmidt. Uh, Mike Parsons. They're, they're all there making the rounds. You know what the first thing I thought was? What? That's probably a pretty good poker game. <laughs> you think they're playing cards I, on the flight? They could. Probably not. They're all locked in too tight of a races. If everybody was up double digits, yeah. But they're all locked in some pretty tight races. Mm-hmm. So I think, they're, I think they're probably working pretty hard today. So, yeah, well, like I said, they're they're taking a lap around the show-me state. Mm-hmm. This question seems to come up every presidential election, but it's okay. We'll take some time to answer it for you here on the morning meeting. What happens if the election ends in a tie? And uh-huh. an electoral college tie. Right. The candidate needs 270 to win from the electoral college. If there's a tie, the two candidates uh, who receive 269 votes apiece... Or a third-party candidate uh, who secured enough electoral votes to prevent either uh, the Democrat or Republican candidate from getting to 270, it goes to the House of Representatives. That's right. The House of Representatives decides the president. You've got an overwhelmingly uh, uh, GOP House right now. Mm -hmm. Each state delegation comes together and casts one vote per state for the president, allowing uh, members of whichever party dominates the House to decide who the state will back. So there you go. You have to win 26 states to win the House. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then the uh, if it does happen, then the Senate picks the vice president. Well, that's how it uh, breaks down. There you go. Either you do it or Congress They're does gonna it. They're going to do it. The, the, ironically, the body with the lowest popularity numbers in the country. We go prefer vote. you to do it. Go vote, yes. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the Tri-States. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.